Nystrom. Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh, my. Did Mick plant one on C-card? Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. The spinning, spinning, who's he going to go after? The puck drop, the puck right the right to King But just a minute, Al Arbor has won mm-hmm. four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box. I'm your host, Joe Lazito. So this is sort of a bridge episode uh, in between Trevor Gillies' episodes. Um, I don't have a guest today, uh, but I don't like to go too long without an episode. I know that uh, some of you can't live without this, and, uh, and I appreciate that. Obviously, I'm just kidding. Uh, there, I think there have been exactly zero people clamoring for another episode. No, and of course, I'm kidding on that too, but... Uh, seriously, I, um, I want to put something out there. Trevor is a very busy guy. And if you appreciated the way Trevor played on the ice and the intensity that he displayed on the ice, well, you should know that he displays that same intensity off the ice in his business. Now he tells me he sleeps. I'm not sure about that though. I can't imagine his energy level ever going low enough where he could sleep without maybe a tranquilizer gun made for a bear. But, uh, you know that's uh, that's the deal. Trevor's very busy. He's uh, he's done very well for himself after uh, hockey, and um, you know we haven't been able to hook up hook up yet for part five, which we will, and I will bring that to you. And to be honest, uh, judging by where we are in the uh, in the epic, there might be a part six. So um, so stay tuned for that. I'm sure him and I'll hook up soon, and I'll bring part five to you. Uh, but in the interim. I'll just uh, I'll get on here. I'll ramble a bit about some things that have gone on, and uh, and uh, you know, listen, please listen. Uh, and I hope you enjoy it. So um, first of all, I just want to say I hope everybody, I hope all you people had a happy Easter. Uh, I hope that uh, since most of you, I imagine, if not all of you, are grown adults, I hope that you celebrated the holiday how you wish. Since uh, I know there are certain government officials that like to treat us like children and tell us what to do. Um, but uh, I hope that uh, if you are an adult, you celebrated it however you wanted to. If you wanted to have your family around, I hope you had your family around. And if you didn't and you wanted to stay isolated, I hope you did that too. Me personally, um, you know, my kids are 20 and 17. Uh, you know, my nephew's 21, my, my niece, she's 17 too. So it's not like it used to be when they were little. So getting together with the family on Easter is pretty similar than pretty similar to just getting together on any other day. So it wasn't a real big deal for us to get together. And, uh, the four of us just spent time at home. Uh, little guy, Dom had to work a few hours, so it was no big deal for us. But, uh, if we were going to have a family gathering, I, I definitely would have done it a hundred percent. Uh, we're all adults. We're all smart. And, uh, 
Cuomo doesn't tell us what to do. So, uh, but like I said, however you chose to celebrate, I hope it's how you wanted to celebrate and I hope everybody had a great Easter. Um, if this is your first time listening, welcome. I hope that you enjoy the content. I certainly enjoy bringing it to you. And if you're not a first-time listener and you're returning, well, thank you very much. I must be doing something right that you're either giving me another try or you have listened to a good portion of what I've put out there. And uh, you're really what makes the show tick. So uh, thank you one and all for tuning in. If you are on social media, I ask that you follow me on Twitter. Uh, My personal Twitter is at Joe underscore Lozito. My uh, Twitter for the show is at Kali Sin Bin Pod. So if you follow me on Twitter on either one or both of those accounts, I will return the favor in kind. I know today Jim Belushi, I think, was uh, tweeting out, um, you know, how does what does a guy have to do to get some more followers? And I just said, I, I said, I, I think what I found that works is uh, following people back. And uh, he had a lot of followers, but uh, maybe followed back a small percentage of them. And, you know, like I said, it's it's not a pet peeve of mine, people that don't follow back. I guess the pet peeve of mine is when people are asking for followers, but then don't follow back. But uh, but anyway, I'm telling you, if you uh, if you follow me on either one of those or both, I will definitely follow you back. If you're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles podcast. And if you're on Instagram, Coliseum underscore Chronicles underscore podcast. So any of those social medias, um, you know, like it. I know on the the, um, the show page, I think it's just a like, and then it shows up in your timeline. Uh, you could find my personal Facebook. It's under my name. I don't really do too much on there. Uh, I try to avoid Facebook as much as possible, uh, with the exception of posting stuff on the show um, Facebook page. So, uh, I think to show Facebook page, you just throw a like. And I think if you want to friend request me, I'll accept that too, but don't expect much activity on the, on the personal, uh, Facebook. And the same thing with the uh, Instagram, not a lot of Instagram action other than stuff for the show. So, um, if you like the show, you'd probably like the social media that corresponds to it. Um, also, Whatever platform you're listening to this episode on, if you wouldn't mind, please subscribe to the show, like, rate, and review the show. It gives the show more visibility. I guess uh, what happens is I show up more when people search hockey or hockey fights or enforcers, Islanders, whatever it is. uh, I think the more subscriptions, uh, listens, likes, reviews I get, I think it brings a higher visibility to the show. And like I've always said, I, I love doing the show. It's, it's probably what has kept me sane other than my family this last year, because, uh, you know, I'd like to think we have a pretty tight knit unit here and we love each other. And, uh, but other than my family, the show is really the one constant that has kept me sane in this past year. And I love doing it. And, um, if I don't grow any bigger, I'm okay with that. I love the fact that I correspond with so many people who enjoy the show. Uh, but it's, it would be nicer to get bigger, I guess, you know, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, that's what they have Viagra for, right? I don't know. But the point is, is that, uh, if the show grows, then, uh, you know, that's great. If not, I'm completely content with bringing the, uh, the audience that I have more quality content. So, uh, but again, if you subscribe, like the show, it, it all helps out. So, um, so I appreciate if you could do that for me now, when you go on the social media, you'll see my logo, uh, and the logo was done by local Long Island artist, Joe Marisich. Joe, um, had a good April fool's joke. Uh, he said he was working for the Yankees. Everybody that knows him knows he's a big Mets guy. Uh, but he did put out some Yankee tunes that are pretty good. I think, uh, judge Aaron judge is that Aaron, right? Um, 
good Aaron Judge cartoon. He's done a lot of Mets stuff so far. Uh, and a lot of the uh, cartoon Islander uh, pictures that you see on social media, those originated from Joe. And Joe did my logo. If you're interested in hiring Joe for your art projects, uh, you can reach him on Twitter at GraphicsJoker. Uh, also, the website LoudEgg.com. Uh, Joe's a great guy. He's real easy to work with. And, um, you know, just like I said, quality, quality individual. Definitely check out his art and hit him up for any of your art projects. And that logo is so great that I put it on merchandise. So the website is teespring.com slash stores slash Coliseum hyphen Chronicles hyphen merch. I don't know why I gave you the address because I think last episode I started by telling you just scroll, scroll down to the episode description and you'll see two links for merchandise. One is the original logo and one is the alternate logo. The logo is still the same. It's just the uh, the text is different. So it's still the same uh, picture uh, drawing of myself in the suit and the old school, uh, you know, media fedora. Uh, but the, the text is a little bit different. So uh, definitely check it out. Uh, I love it. I love when people purchase. Obviously, I love when people purchase stuff. I don't make a lot of money on it. Uh, it's really something I wanted to do. And um uh, I, I just love when people buy stuff and they send pictures of it. I love to retweet that and, uh, just really cool. And I appreciate all the support that way. And as you know, if you've listened, I always do a listener exclusive discount. Today is Brent Hughes birthday, former Islander Brent Hughes, probably more known for his time with the Bruins. Uh, but he did spend some time with the Islanders and it's his birthday today. So in honor of Brent Hughes birthday, use code Hughes. H-U-G-H-E-S for 20% off for one week. Anything in uh, either of the Coliseum Chronicles merchandise stores. Code Hughes for 20% off. If you're listening to this, you're an Islander fan, but you probably like the Enforcers too. And uh, if you strictly are, if you're not strictly interested in uh, Islander Enforcers, I'd like to direct you to my friend Darren's podcast, Fourth Line Voice. Uh, he's been doing this longer than me, as I call him. You know, I'm pretty gangsta. So he's the OG of the Enforcer podcast game. Um, Darren has been at this for a while. Like I said, he does two episodes a week. Uh, midweek on Wednesday, he brings you a player interview. Sunday is uh, the Sunday shit show where he basically stares out his window and is Grandpa Simpson. Now, you might like the player interviews, and I think Darren does a great job. He's I'd like to think him and I are very similar in our in our methods and our approach. We like to go, you know, dig real deep and and we get to the bottom of things. And I honestly think that, you know, Darren and Alec, who used to do five for fighting and myself, we kind of find the questions that other people don't ask, which is why our interviews go a lot longer than a lot of other podcasts. And I and I think that's part of the reason why I appreciate Darren's hard work and when Alec did his podcast, the same thing. Um but Darren does these episodes on Sundays, and I really appreciate them. I find them comical in a good way because he basically does these rants about what happened in the in the world, you know, mostly world of sports and mostly hockey in the previous week, uh, also what's going on in social media the previous week. And he has his hand on the pulse of this stuff more than I do. I actually hear about a lot of this nonsense on his Sunday shows, and they're hilarious. I mean, they really are. I really, I do look forward to the player interviews. Don't get me wrong, but the Sunday episodes, they're always a lot of fun to listen to. I listened to his uh, episode that he put out yesterday. I listened to that earlier today. And, you know, I, I think if, if I had to listen to an episode that someone puts out about politics, it's not going to really hold my interest. 
So I listen to everything Darren puts out and these Sunday episodes, he's basically um, parroting what I would say, or I guess I would be parroting what he said, because we are pretty much on the same page with most things concerning hockey and the old school way of hockey and the new age fans and social media. We're, we're pretty much right down the middle, same opinion about all this stuff. So when I hear him talk about it, it's very rare if ever. And I can't really recall a time where I go, I don't really agree with you. Uh, most of the time he's spot on and, um, you know, I, I love them. I mean, I can't, I can go on and on about them, but, uh, don't sleep on these episodes. I tweeted that out last week. These Sunday shit show episodes are phenomenal and I love them and I look forward to them. And I think he said he's, he's, uh, going to be buying a house soon and, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, whatever. And he might not be able to do the two shows a week. And selfishly, I was a little sad. Because uh, I would imagine that uh, if one is going to happen, it would probably be the player interviews and not the Sunday shit shows. But, uh, you know, like I said, definitely, please listen to these episodes. Listen to all his content. But don't sleep on these Sunday episodes. They're they're fabulous. They're really great. Um, also, Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel. If you have watched a hockey fight on YouTube, chances are it is on the Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel. He has now posted over 2,500 fights. Chances are, if you're looking for some footage on a guy, he's got at least one fight on there. And, uh, you know, I can't say that uh, I'm on there every day, but I know when I'm doing research for an interview, um, that's the first place I go on YouTube. Uh, it's real convenient. You could search by team, search by player. It's the first place I go to see if uh, he has footage that, that I don't. So definitely give that... Um, Give that a look also on, uh, I almost said Facebook, on YouTube. Bucket Drop Podcast with my friend Bobby. Uh, Bobby, happy birthday. I think your birthday is today. And I think your daughter's birthday was yesterday, Sunday. So happy birthday to the both of you. He has a beautiful little girl who I think is one now. I think she's one. I don't think she's two. That doesn't seem right. But I think she celebrated her first birthday. She's absolutely beautiful. And uh, Bobby does the Bucket Drop Podcast. Um, he basically does these quick hit episodes, maybe anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes, talks about stuff that's gone on in hockey. He also talks about betting. Uh, I don't know much about the gambling aspect of it and I don't really gamble. I couldn't gamble on sports today. I don't know much about any of the sports. I pretty much limit it to the teams that I like. So I, I wouldn't even know what the first thing about it, but, uh, he mostly focuses on the, um, Canadian teams, not so much the Western teams, mostly focus on his team, Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa. Um, so he focuses on those teams mostly, but like I said, they're really quick episodes and, uh, real easy to listen to. And, uh, there's no reason not to. So definitely, uh, check out Bobby's show, the bucket drop podcast. And, you might have to go fishing for it a little bit, but search for Five for Fighting podcast. Alec Olin Salem down in Florida. Um, similar, again, similar to Darren and myself. Actually, Alec started before I did also. Um, but, you know, very similar. We go deep into the episodes. We go deep into the players' history, fights, everything else. Uh, Alec's taking a bit, uh, taking a bit of a break. He's got some real life stuff going on. Nothing bad, um, nothing bad, but, uh, just busy stuff like work stuff. And I know he's looking to get back into the military soon. I don't know, within the year maybe. So, um, he's got to take care of a lot of stuff that doesn't leave a lot of time to record episodes, but it would definitely be worth your while to go back and check out his back catalog five for fighting podcast. No doubt about it. You'll enjoy it. Also, he is the czar of the Enforcer Appreciation page on Facebook. 
definitely check that out. You know, like that page, get on there. Uh, listen, there's a lot of goofballs on that page, but there's a lot of ex players. And, um, you know, the funny thing is, if you go on that page, you might see Darren from Fourth Line Voice in uh, having a war of words with people. Uh, he He's. <laughs> Darren, I don't know how you do it, man. <laughs> I have to get. I, on any anywhere on Facebook, I can't stay on too long because sometimes the comments are, are a little rich for my liking. But uh, but I do enjoy the back and forth that Darren has with a lot of people, including some players. So um, definitely uh, like the Enforcer Appreciation page. Definitely worth your while. Lots of ex-players on there. Very cool. And, you know, they're Enforcers, so they're just like regular guys like you and I. And uh, it's definitely cool. And if you're into collecting stuff, uh, Alec also has the QSPHL slash LNAH jersey and equipment page on Facebook. Uh, it seems to be, as of late, getting a, a little more traction in terms of posts. There's one or two guys that seem like they post stuff every day. It's actually pretty awesome to see. Uh, I don't post on there. I only have one uh, jersey, which I've posted on there already. I have nothing new to add, but I love that. Uh, I love the jerseys from that league. I think they're awesome. So I like to uh, I like to check out that page. So I also want to say thank you to my buddy Wade out in Colorado. Uh, I got a nice surprise in the mail today. Uh, Wade had sent me a Mike McWilliams stick, uh, old Sherwood. If you're a stick collector, you know that uh, certain stick companies, the name stamp isn't so great, and some of them are awesome. And Sherwood was always one of the best. And, um, you know, Wade had messaged me last week asking me for my address. He wanted to send me something, and I thought that was really cool. But I didn't know, you know, I had no idea what it was. I didn't know if it was a picture or cards or whatever. And then when, uh, when uh, the mailman came today, I saw that he had a hockey stick. I'm not expecting a stick from anybody at the moment. I was kind of hoping that was from Wade. And uh, when I got it, I saw it. It was on there. And, you know, I have uh, a Mikey McWilliams stick from his time with the Islanders. I think it's a Louisville. So I definitely could use the uh, the Sherwood here. And, uh, man, it just made my day. It really did. You know, Wade, I thanked you in a message. I don't know if you got it yet. But uh, I hope you could hear it in my voice. That was uh that was so much, it was so great. You know, it was so much fun to open that. And, uh, man, like I said, you know, especially nowadays this past year, it's things like that and gestures like that, that really, uh, put a smile on my face and man, oh man, thanks so much, buddy. That was, uh, that was tremendous. And, uh, I hope one day I'm able to reciprocate in some way, shape or form, but, uh, but thank you so much, Wade. That was fucking great. So now we get on to the, uh, 2021 Islanders slash Sound Tigers fight report. I do have three fights to tell you about. Uh, the seventh fight of the season for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers took place on March 27th. It was Parker Watherspoon against Tim Gettinger of Hartford. With that fight, Parker Watherspoon is now tied with Seth Helgeson for the team lead in fights with two. Uh, Watherspoon has taken on uh, Jacob Lauko and Tim Gettinger. Helgeson has taken on Austin uh, Rushoff and... Ian McKinnon. So uh, you got two fights each from from those guys. Uh, total of seven for Bridgeport on the season. Hopefully, um, you know, pick up a little bit. I know that uh, thankfully Yannick Turcotte's gotten into two games so far. Uh, no fights yet. Hopefully um, that will continue. He didn't play today. Uh, I don't think he's played the last two games. But I'd love to see him get back in there and uh, maybe mix it up a little bit. And really... I'm really hoping that Mike Cornell sees some action before the season's over. Um, I'm telling you guys, like, 
you know, if you've never seen Mike play, he's not fancy. He's not spectacular. You know what he is? He's that steady physical defenseman that you can put out there in any situation and rely on, um, you know, just, just reliable. He's a reliable, hard-hitting defenseman. He doesn't mind dropping the gloves. Uh, he's not a liability out there. So um, I hope he gets at least one opportunity to play this year, suit up, and, and get a game in there. And it would be great to have uh, Yannick and Mike and Seth Helgeson all dressed for the same game. That would be great. Uh, Islanders, two fights since the last time we spoke. Uh, Matt Martin took on Big Zdeno Chara on April Fool's Day. Um not much. Uh, Chara's, no, listen, Chara's a big dude. Um, if he wants to ragdoll someone, he probably ragdoll anyone in the league. Um, you know, maybe not a Ross Johnston or a Curtis McDermott or the guy Sam Moran of Philadelphia. Those are, those guys are big, not as big as Chara, but you know, they're big guys, but you know, if Chara wants, there are guys who think Chara's top five, top 10 in the league. They think he's top 20 all time. I don't subscribe to any of that. But there's no denying the guy is good on his skates. He's got, you know, his, his feet, you know, his footwork. He's in tremendous shape. He's strong as hell. So I'm not saying he's a top 20 guy, but I will say he's probably top 10 of guys who can ragdoll you because he's got really good balance and he's strong as hell. So really, that's pretty much what the fight entailed. Uh, not much, not much of anything punch wise, but uh, it was good to see uh, Matty Martin get his first scrap of the year under his belt. And um, two days later, Ross Johnston, and we're going to touch on Ross a little bit going back to that Washington game in a few minutes here. Uh, Ross Johnston fought Sam Moran of Philadelphia. Now, I did, I don't know much about Moran. Uh, I believe in my seasons episode with Brett Gallant that uh, Moran did fight Gallant that year. Um, and because Brett is always the smaller guy in terms of height in all his fights, Whenever I see a guy bigger than him, it never really registers with me because he's generally the shorter guy. He could be the stronger guy and he could be the more in shape guy and, and the stockier guy, but he's almost never the taller guy. So um, if he did fight Moran, and I think he did, Moran would have a huge height advantage over him. So it didn't even really register with me how big this kid is. But when he dropped the gloves with Ross and you could see he's actually, I think, an inch bigger than him, an inch taller than him that was like a wake up call. Like, Holy shit, this guy's pretty big. And, um, he caught Ross, Ross got caught. Um, you know, he's not indestructible. <laughs> Nobody is. Uh, well, I mean, if you ask certain, and this goes back to Darren's episode, if you ask certain fans of Bob Probert, Bob Probert is indeed Iron Man. He's indestructible. But if you're, if you have, um, a brain, you know that nobody's won all their fights and wins and losses in hockey fights. Uh, really, I don't want to say they don't matter, but, you know, when Ross and Moran came out of the box and went back to their benches, both benches were banging their sticks on the boards. Uh, the boys appreciated the effort, and uh, I know Ross will be back. He didn't come back that night, but uh, today in Barry Trotz with the press availability, he did say that Ross uh, skated with his line mates in practice, wasn't skating on his own, so that's a good sign. I'm guessing he's available for tomorrow night against Washington. I don't know if he'll play, but... Uh, if he's available, if he's healthy, I hope he does play. It would be nice to have that physical presence there. But uh, didn't give any details about um, if it was a concussion or not. Uh, but I'm just happy that Ross is doing better, that he was able to practice today. And um, like I said, you know, he definitely took one. And Moran's a tough guy. And uh, in, in the bigger picture, the wider picture, as far as being a hockey fight fan, it's good to have another name in there because uh, the fights are up. But 
there's still not a ton of guys that do the job and the Flyers should have a guy that fights. I mean, they just, they should, they're the Flyers. So, um, and I think, and you know what, I wanted to research this before I started recording. And of course I didn't, I think this guy's come back from a pretty serious injury, if I'm not mistaken. And if that's the case, then good on him. Uh, I, man, I really should have researched this before, but uh, I think it's I think it's Samuel Moran that had a pretty serious injury, missed a lot of time, and has come back. And like I said, if that's the case, good for him. And uh, hopefully, you know, they play again this year, so hopefully they'll be around too with Ross and uh, Sam Moran. So uh, I got some topics I want to talk about. One, if you're local, if you're Nassau County local, not that far from the Coliseum, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. There's a Tim Hortons. Right on Hempstead Turnpike now. Now, for those of you listening in Canada or for those of you listening in other places, you're like, yeah, there's a Tim Hortons on every corner. There's a Tim Hortons everywhere. Well, it's a big deal around here. Maybe not a big deal for most people. It's a big deal for me. I love their coffee. I would say it's my second favorite. I I know I, I sometimes say Dunkin' Donuts is my second favorite, but that's just because I forget about Tim Hortons. I love their coffee and, um, now that I have one close by, it might alter my morning schedule. Now, I know if, again, if you're around, I know a lot of Canadians don't like Tim Hortons. They think it's bland. They think it's plain, whatever. But if I can't have Wawa coffee, Tim Hortons is going to, it definitely is my next in line. And you know how certain smells bring you to a certain place? When I smell the Tim Hortons maple donuts, I'm right back in Canada. It's just that maple smell. It just brings me right back to Canada. I love Canada. I love going there. And um, it just, when I smell that maple, it just, I'm right back across the border. And um, it's it's just a nice change. So if you like Tim Hortons, it's actually in the, um, the Bola market of the Exxon. I think it's Exxon. Exxon or Mobile. It's one of the red, white, and blue gas stations on the corner of Hempstead Turnpike and Newbridge Road. It's considered East Meadow, I believe. And um, they got a nice little setup there. There's another Tim Hortons in Westbury, but it's in our, it's in um, one of the quickie marts, but it's really small. Like this one is a, is a pretty big uh, store they have there. So the one in Westbury is really small. It's not a lot of room. If you get more than three people in there, you're, you're like on top of each other. And this is pre COVID. Um, so who knows, but this one, this Mark Bola market on, uh, like I said, the intersection of Newbridge Road, Hepsit Turnpike, Tim Hortons, if you're like me and you like Tim Hortons or you want to change a pace, definitely go in there. I think I've been in there three times in the last three days, just getting a coffee. So uh, for those of you that appreciate it, I figured I would, uh, I would bring it to your attention. Next, as you've heard me talk about in the last several episodes, uh, I had mentioned that we were potentially moving to Florida. Well, that has been put on hold for how long. I don't know. It's been put on hold. Um, it's a family decision. And uh, as I am generally uh, not forthcoming with my family business, uh, I will leave this to my family. Nobody, it's nothing serious. Now, I know I'm kind of sounding like, oh my God, what happened? Nothing serious. Um, it's not like anyone is dying or thank heavens or whatever. It's just a family decision we made and uh, we'll be here for the next little bit. I don't know uh, when that will change. It's still on our radar. I just don't know when. So uh, if you have made any calls on my behalf, I appreciate that. But uh, 
for the time being, we will be uh, New York residents, Long Island residents, and uh, just holding uh, holding out hope that things get back to normal. Uh, you know, like you've heard me say a million times, the leadership in the state and the leadership in New York City could quite possibly be the worst in the country. Uh, so I don't know. But I'm a pretty positive person. And uh, I will hold out hope and keep my fingers crossed that things get back to normal. I get back to work and we can resume our life. But uh, like I said, the move to Florida is on hold. So thank you to anyone who has made a call or sent an email or a message on my behalf. I, I do appreciate that, but uh, no need to do that anymore. Baseball started this past week and uh, I wish I cared. I do. I wish I did. I grew up, I grew up loving baseball. I grew up, uh, monster Braves fan and that's because of Dale Murphy and you know I had a few good seasons with the Braves it's very funny the Braves and the Bills uh very similar where I had a few good seasons as a kid and then I had a lot of crappy seasons and then I had some really good seasons and I had some good seasons with the Braves I mean at that point even though a lot of those years the team was out of the race by May maybe June. Um, I was such a Dale Murphy nut that I didn't, you know, obviously I wanted them to win, but I was also realistic and I knew they didn't have a chance to win. So what made up for the fact that they weren't a quality team was watching Dale Murphy every night. And, um, you know, he's still a legend to me. He should be in the hall of fame. I'm not going to get on that soapbox. Um, but the last few years, and it has nothing to do with COVID or anything. Uh, I just don't even remotely care about baseball anymore. I tried this year, like I did last year. I tried to watch baseball this year. And the Braves opened up against the Phillies. And I got through maybe an inning and a half. And I just don't, I don't have it anymore. I don't feel a connection. I don't feel a connection with the sport anymore. Uh, I don't feel a connection with the players. I don't feel a connection with the organization. Now, I shouldn't say the sport because I honestly think I could go to a minor league game and enjoy the minor league atmosphere. Like I, I, I've said it a few times, I think, on this show. Um, when we lived in Philadelphia, we used to go to Somerset Patriot games all the time. They're independent league. Actually, now they are uh, a farm club of the Yankees. But we... Uh, we would go to Somerset Patriots games all the time and we had a great time and it was a lot of fun and they were really geared towards the family. My kids loved it. My kids loved going to the Patriots games. I, I think they enjoyed those better than the major league games because you always got good seats and you could interact with the players. Uh, Sparky Lyle was the manager. He was always funny. He, he got it. You know, Sparky was really cool to the adults, but it was really, really cool to the kids. You know, they liked his mustache and all that other stuff. So, um, so I could go to a minor, minor league game and enjoy it. I think it's just, um, first and foremost, the analytics. I, to me, they just killed this game. Yeah, absolutely killed. You know I'm not an analytics guy for hockey. Uh, analytics killed the enjoyment for baseball for me, which is ironic since Moneyball is one of my favorite movies ever. I love the movie Moneyball. Hate analytics and baseball. So there you go. That kind of gives you a peek inside my head. Uh, I love that movie. I can. It's one of those movies that when I'm flipping through the channels, if it's on, whether it's five minutes in or an hour and five minutes in, I can watch the rest of it. I just, I love everything about the movie. Hate analytics in real baseball. And, and I think um, it's hard, you know, for me, I grew up where, you know, managers meant something and managers were part of the game and they were characters, you know, guys like um, Billy Martin and Earl Weaver and Whitey Herzog and Dick Hauser and Dick Williams. Um, 
you know, Chuck Tanner, these classic managers, Ralph Houck. I mean, I could go on and on. And they were a part of the game and they were a part of the show and they actually had to come up with strategy and all this other stuff, you know, Bobby Cox. Um, And now you don't even need to, you don't even need a manager anymore. You just need a guy that can work a calculator and draw on a graph. And I think the GMs run it mostly. And that's boring to me. That's, 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 if I wanted that, I could just play Stratomatic. I haven't played Stratomatic in probably 20, 30 years, but it's boring to me. And I, I got to be honest, some of the players, they're a little tough to take. The, the, listen, I, I've never been a 22 year old that grew up with nothing and now I have millions of dollars in the bank. I, I don't know what that's like. I'd like to think I wouldn't act like a fool, but some of these guys, I guess they can't help themselves. So between the analytics and a lot of the players, it's not my cup of tea anymore. Um, so I think if I need a baseball fix, we got the Long Island Ducks here. Uh, I may be going to see a, a minor league team that my friend manages at some point this summer. I really hope I get to do that. Uh, but Major League Baseball is just not for me anymore. And, um, uh, you know, it's it's sort of like the NFL. I don't really get into the NFL too much. I watch the Bills every minute of every game every week. But it used to be I could watch three, four games in a day. Didn't matter the teams. Now, even when I think I'm going to watch a game of a team outside of Buffalo, I'm I'm good for a series or two, and I'm just bored. It has no, it doesn't hold any entertainment for me. Actually, the one the, the one league that I enjoy watching all the games is actually the CFL. I I maybe because it's new to me, I've only been a fan for two years when there were games. Uh, but you know, I'm a Saskatchewan fan. I obviously will watch their games, but. That was one league, and and like I said, maybe because it was new to me, it didn't matter the teams. I could enjoy watching any CFL matchup. It, uh, it was always enjoyable, and I don't know what the future holds for the CFL, but hopefully they come back, and um, I'll, I'll continue to watch their games. Uh, but that was always fun for me to watch the CFL games. So even hockey, I watch the Islanders and Sound Tigers. I can't watch any other matchup. It's just... I don't know. Maybe I am that uh, old fart, but, uh, but anyway, you know, if you're a baseball fan, enjoy it. And um, yeah, that's it for me on baseball. Another thing, and I don't know where the, uh, where it originated from. I I'm guessing that somebody scored one of those lacrosse goals uh, in hockey, where you kind of scoop up the puck and just kind of get it in over the goalie. And when it happens, obviously it's just like, everything else it takes off on social media whether it's trending or if it's a for a day or two or an hour whatever it is and i i'm guessing someone must have scored one of those goals because obviously when someone scores those goals uh mike leg who i believe was a michigan wolverine when he did it and i want to say he was panthers property again i could be wrong i don't know if he ever played in the nhl and i could completely be mixing him up with someone I'm 99.9% sure he was a Michigan Wolverine. I think he was in camp with Florida. I don't know. But Mike Legg did it, and when he did it, it was on ESPN because I don't think there was anything else. Maybe CNN had their sports back then. This was a while ago. If I'm not mistaken, the first guy to do that was an Albany Riverette named Bill Armstrong. So at the time, there were two Bill Armstrongs in the American League. Uh, I think Bill Armstrong, I, I, he's either Bill D. Armstrong or Bill H. Armstrong, the big dude that used to be in Providence, who's now the GM in Phoenix. 
that monster was with uh, the Bruins and the he was with Providence. He was also with Hershey. Then there was, I want to say, Bill C. Armstrong. Again, the middle initials I'm a little sketchy on, but the other Bill Armstrong, who was a forward, uh, and I don't know if he ever got any games with New Jersey, but he was a longtime Albany River rat. And I believe Bill Armstrong was the first guy who did the lacrosse goal. But everyone thinks it's Mike Legg, but I'm almost positive that it was Bill Armstrong. And even if it wasn't, let's bring him into the conversation too. But I'm almost positive it was Bill Armstrong. So I don't know if Bill Armstrong, and I met him a long time ago, uh, way back. And Bill Armstrong probably wouldn't remember me. But if anyone is listening that knows Bill Armstrong, and again, not the GM of Phoenix, the other Bill Armstrong, I'd love to find out for sure, but I am almost positive Bill Armstrong, the former Riverette, the former Devil's Farmhand, was the first guy who did that lacrosse-style goal. And the reason why I'm saying this is Bill Armstrong was not an enforcer, uh, but he didn't mind fighting. And he played on some tough River Rats teams. So he's on, if you have any Albany River Rat fight DVDs, he's on there a lot. And maybe, you know, not as much as, say, a Reed Simpson or a Christoph Oliwa or a Dean Malcock, Matt Ruckty. But he's on there and he didn't mind dropping him. You know, and he would he could score and play the game. He took a regular shift. So I was always a fan of the guy because he didn't mind fighting. But I believe he was the first one to do that lacrosse-style goal. So if anyone knows that Bill Armstrong, let me know. Because I think it was him that scored the goal first. Next, another Twitter thing. Brandon Dubinsky tweeted out this week something about Crosby versus Ovechkin. And I believe Dubinsky and Crosby have a bit of a rivalry. So, of course, he sides with Ovechkin. And who's better, Crosby and Ovechkin? And it makes me laugh because there's no right answer. And there's no wrong answer. Because you're you're debating between two of the greatest players of all time. So, you can make a case for both. It's just like the whole Gretzky-Lemieux thing. Now, I think Gretzky is the greatest player of all time. But there are arguments that could be made to say Mario Lemieux. And they're valid arguments. So is there really a winner? You can have a debate, Gretzky or Lemieux, and both sides can make valid points. If you're a pro-Gretzky guy like I am, nobody's going to hit me with Mario Lemieux facts that's going to make me change my mind. I'll listen and be amazed because some of the – I mean, the, the, Lemieux, the Lemieux side will throw out numbers that will make your head spin. And situations, you know, coming back from um, Hodgkin's disease, I believe it was. Um, they're staggering. I mean, it, there's a case to be made for both of them. And you can't lose. There's no right or wrong answer. And with Crosby and Ovechkin, there's no right or wrong answer. It's whoever you like. And cr- they're both polarizing guys. So if you like Crosby, you're never going to think Ovechkin's better. And if you like Ovechkin, you're never going to think Crosby's better. But I guess Dubinsky started this fire on Twitter this week, and people, oh my God. And it's just hilarious. So what I wanted to do was give my opinion on who's better. Now, I respect both of these guys. They're both world-class talents. Maybe they're arguably top 10 players of all time. I don't know. Um, To me, it's Wayne Gretzky and then everybody else. But, um, I mean, they're definitely 
I mean, they'd have to be top 15 all time. No, I mean, I, I don't know. That's for you to decide. Um, but I, I think it's safe to say that Crosby was the right player at the time for Pittsburgh. And Ovechkin was the right player at the time for Washington. What they've done for their organizations is magical. They're, they're world-class players, Hall of Fame players uh, that have elevated those organizations to heights never before seen. Now, obviously, you have Lemieux in Pittsburgh, uh, but I think just the way that um, the organizations are now, hockey's bigger now than when, it, when Lemieux played. So that's why I'm saying that Crosby took the Penguins to heights never before seen. I think just the world in general, um, everything is kind of bigger now. I'm not saying Crosby's better than Lemieux. I don't think he is. Um, but... In the battle of who's better, Crosby and Ovechkin, the winner is Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky is better than both of them. Uh, and I know some of the new age nerds think I'm wrong, and that's fine. Wayne Gretzky is better than both of them. Um, I don't care who you like better, Crosby or Ovechkin, because to me, they're they're not one in the same in terms of style, but there's not a single fan of any team in the world other than Pittsburgh or Washington that wouldn't take either one of those guys. Because if you're a Penguin fan, you're not going to take Ovechkin over Crosby. If you're a Capital fan, you're not going to take Crosby over Ovechkin. So any other fan of any other team would take either one of those guys in a heartbeat. So uh, Wayne Gretzky is the winner. And by the way, and for those of you who may not be old enough to remember, in terms of pure goal scoring, the answer is Mike Bossy. And now I know I tend to be an Islander homer at times, but I, I want to say this. Bossy is, to me, the greatest goal scorer who's ever played the game. And when I do my top Islanders, Mike Bossy is never on there. He was always one of those guys who was kind of critical of fighting and physical hockey. Um, so I always gravitated towards the other players on the Dynasty team. I don't dislike Mike Bossy at all. And every time Mike Bossy had the puck, I got on the edge of my seat. But... If you want to say I'm a shill for Bobby Nystrom or Clark Gillies or Gary Howitt, I'll accept that. I'll accept that 100%. Not that I say they won every fight, obviously, if I have eyes and the tape doesn't lie. Um, but if someone said, well, you're an Islander fan, you love those guys. Yeah, that's true. I do. Um, I don't I don't think I'm shilling for Mike Bossy. I really don't. I, I think he's an unbelievable player and it would have been something to see if he didn't have to retire so early because of his back issues, what numbers this guy would have put up, but do yourself a favor. If you think I'm lying or you think I'm just being an Islander Homer, try to find some Mike bossy highlights. Absolutely. The greatest goal scorer who ever played hockey. Now, obviously he doesn't have the numbers of Gretzky and numbers of a lot of guys, but he's the greatest goal scorer who has ever lived. So, those are your answers in the Crosby uh, versus Ovechkin. Now, I saw on Twitter over the weekend that I think it was the anniversary of the uh, uh, Dan Cluche, Tommy Salo fight, and I put fight in quotes. Um, I I'm going to say it again because it seems like people have their own history where they want to remember it. If I'm again, if I'm lying or looking at it through Islander colored glasses, you can let me know. But please go back and watch the video. Ranger fans hold their hat on this fight like Dan Cloutier beat the daylights out of Tommy Salo. Now, truth be told, I'm a big Dan Cloutier fan. 
I love the guy. I like anybody, well, almost anybody who brings a physical element to the game, especially goalies. Dan Cloutier brought that element. He was always colorful, always a character. I liked it. You know, he sort of brought that Billy Smith mentality to the crease. Don't go in my crease. Didn't mind it. You know, didn't mind giving it back to guys. He'd snap every now and then. So I like Dan Cloutier. And I'm not being critical of him, but Dan Cloutier, yeah, if you watch the video, arms going back and forth like he's starting a lawnmower, and he's hitting the back of Tommy Salo, and he's hitting his shoulders, and he's hitting his shoulder pads. That's not going to hurt anybody. You know, I'm not, well, I shouldn't say that. Maybe if uh, Clark Gillies is pounding there on your back close to your spine, yeah, you're going to feel it. Or uh, Derek Bugard, you know, rest in peace, Derek Bugard. If he's pounding on your back, yeah, you're going to feel it. I, I Salo got right up. Once they were separated, he got right up. He didn't look like he was any worse for wear. Didn't have a mark on him. So it just makes me laugh when I hear Rangers fans talk about this like it was some. The Ranger fans talk about the Kluche Salo fight like Islander fans talk about Gillies and Hospodar. It's mind blowing to me. Dan Kluche beat up Tommy Salo's back. What is so great about that? I mean, it looked good on TV. The highlights, it looked good. I'm not going to deny that. But if you really know fighting, he didn't do anything. He didn't. And, and again, I like Kluche. The guy's a cert, he's certifiable. I wish there were Dan Kluche's in the game today. I wouldn't have minded having him on the Islanders. I like the guy. But he didn't do anything. He, he beat Tommy Salo's back. Gives a fuck. Salo got right back up. Aside from the fact that it's a mismatch, because if, if you people if Cloutier is as tough as people make him out to be then it's a mismatch but they're goalies everyone's kind of even yeah you got guys like Cloutier and Hextall uh Billy Smith um you know Garth Snow goalies who like to mix it up a little bit but he didn't really do anything I, I must be missing something I've seen the fight 50 times I'm still looking for the beatdown. He, he beat his back who gives a fuck and then the other myth about that is that Kluche challenged the Islander bench. Please go back and watch the tape. He skates by the Islander bench and they have words and Kluche skates backwards. Now, again, I'll qualify it. Do I think Dan Kluche would fight anybody on the Islanders bench? Absolutely he would. He would absolutely fight anybody on the bench. But did Dan Kluche really want any of the heavyweights to come off the bench to fight him. I I don't know. He, You know what? It's Dan Cloutier. He might have. But did he really challenge? See, to me, you want to see a guy challenge the bench? John Wensink challenged the Minnesota North Star bench. He stood in front of the bench, stopped right in front of the bench, and basically dared anybody in the North Star uniform to come off the bench and fight him. He stood there. Nobody made a move. To skate by the bench and challenge, you know, challenge in quotes and then skate backwards and, you know, lip off. I don't know. Maybe it's the old school guy in me. I don't really consider that challenging the bench. But again, it's just this this thing. And I'm only bringing it up again because I, I thought I saw on Twitter that yesterday was the anniversary. It's just this thing. Why do you, why do Ranger fans hold on to that? Like it was this, like it was Gillies and Hospital. <laughs> I mean, really? Um I don't know. I just, again, I, it was just something I wanted to bring up. I don't get the fascination with it. Um, 
I don't. I just don't get it. And but hey, if that's what floats your boat, that's fine. But Tommy Salo was fine. I I think someone used the term "beat the brakes off Tommy Salo" when they posted the highlight. Salo's brakes were just fine, or beat the wheels off him. He didn't beat it. He beat up his back. Salo was fine. In a in a straight up fight, Cluche would would probably beat the wheels off Tommy Salo. I don't think Tommy Salo's ever been in a legitimate fight in his life. Cluche would probably mop the floor with him. So please don't get me wrong where I'm saying that Cluche could not beat the shit out of Tommy Salo. 99.9% sure he'd mop the floor with him. He just didn't that that day. I think it was a day game. He just didn't do it that day. He beat up his back. And certainly there was no Islander coming off the bench that day to fight him. There was no point. He was already out of the game as far as I know. So maybe pump the brakes on that. I've mentioned fourth line voice earlier to listen to a show um and he did the sunday shit show and the episode before that was with um a guy named steve steve runs the website when probert was king steve is like rain man when it comes to hockey fights and he has this memory that is just insane and um i i I mean it's crazy actually it's it's mind-boggling uh the stuff that he remembers and the stuff that's in his in his um, intellectual database about hockey fights. And he is uh Shrem on Twitter uh, at S R E H M, I believe. And, and the account is when Probert was King. He has a website there and he's done such detailed writing. If anyone was going to really write a book on hockey fights, it should be Steve, but Steve has uh, started something. Uh, I started GoFundMe. So you've heard me talk about Drop the Gloves. You've heard Darren talk about Drop the Gloves. You've heard Alec talk about Drop the Gloves. If you're a hockey fight fan, you've been to that site in the past, Drop the Gloves. It basically had the fight card of everybody who's ever had a fight in hockey. And I don't know the gist of why the owner of the site just pretty much cut it off. Uh, But he stopped. He stopped. He basically took the site down. And I know there were people that offered to buy it from him. And I don't really know what the story is. I don't know the guy. I've heard he's an asshole. I don't know him. I, but if you hear it from enough people, maybe it's true. But again, it's not. those are not my stories to tell. I never, ever had any sort of conversation with this guy. But I, what I can say is I've never heard a good thing about him. Uh, and like I said, there were people willing to buy the website from him, and he just flat out refused. So basically now... Uh, there are several of of the fight cards from Drop Your Gloves on the Wayback Machine, but there are probably more that aren't. And Steve wants to build a database that's bigger and better than Drop Drop Your Gloves ever was. Steve is the right guy for this job, and I, well, I'll tell you why. There's a guy that has agreed to come on the show, and his fight card is not available on the Wayback Machine. So I went on hockeyfights.com because they have most of his years there, not all of them. And I was just going to kind of copy and paste his fight card fight by fight onto a document that would be easier for me to read. And I think I got three fights in and I'm like, I I can't do this. It's just so time consuming. And this guy's had a lot of fights. So it's definitely something that and 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 I've heard a lot of fighters say that they used to access drop your gloves all the time. So it's definitely a tool for someone like myself that's very valuable. 
Uh, I'm sure the site got millions of hits. Any hockey fight fan, I'm sure, has been on that site. Hockey fighters have been on that site. So what Steve's trying to do is, like I said, he's trying to rebuild it, rebuild a bigger, better site where it has hockey fight, hockey fighters fight cards. And I believe uh, he's been in touch with web designers or whomever it is he needs to dis- needed to discuss it with. And the number that they gave him was it would cost about $10,000. And Steve set up a GoFundMe. I've been tweeting it every day on both my Twitter accounts uh, for people to donate. And, um, you know, if you can donate $10,000, that would be great. If you could donate $10, that would be great. If you can donate a dollar, that would be great. Um, I think he's about a quarter of the way there, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, so if you have a extra buck or so lying around, please check out my Twitter feed and you'll see the uh, the link for the GoFundMe. If you could donate a dollar, that would be great. If you could donate more than that, that would be great too. Uh, listen, uh, I'm one of those people that has been out of work for over a year, so I know how tough times are. And um, you know, and Steve's really not. I'm not gonna say he's really cool about it because you don't. No one has to donate, but it's obvious when you look at some of the donations that there are some people giving what they can. And it's it, like, yeah, it's cool to see a three digit donation but like when i see people donating 10 bucks five bucks 15 bucks it's like like i almost feel like while they maybe they are going through a tough time but they still manage to donate some money and i I don't know i just think that's really cool myself listen uh, so far i've donated 25 dollars. that's that's all i can spare right now uh i did tell steve i hopefully i can donate a little bit more in a few weeks but right now that's all i can donate and uh so if you're a hockey fight fan that has used drop your gloves in the past, and this is something that you think you might utilize going forward, please consider donating. And uh, like I said, you can see the, um, the link to the GoFundMe on my, um, on my Twitter. So it's on there. So please consider um, donating to that. And like I said, if there was one person to spearhead this, it's Steve, because I promise you, there's nobody on the planet that will do as good a job as Steve is going to do with this. It's going to be the way knowing, knowing Steve, like I do, nobody will do it better than him. He is uh, absolutely meticulous. And this is going to be when it's all said and done, it's going to blow the doors off any of the sites that have hockey fight cards. So uh, if you're able to donate, please do. Uh, If you can't, maybe please spread the word, you know, retweet my tweet. You might not be able to donate anything, but a retweet is free. So um, if you don't mind doing that, that would help too. So uh, whatever you can do, uh, Steve would appreciate it. I would appreciate it. Uh, You know, anyone would appreciate it. You know, like I said, retweets are free, just like hugs. So, um, so if you don't mind doing that, that would be great. Um, I mentioned when I, uh, talked about Matt Martin fighting Zidane Chara that we were going to get back to Ross Johnston. Ross Johnston was lined up in that game, lined up with Garnet Hathaway. And for those that may not know, Johnston and Hathaway have actually fought twice before. I know on the broadcast, Butch Goring had said that Hathaway's not going to fight Ross Johnston. Uh, but like I said, they have fought twice before. I did uh, I did tweet at Butch. I don't know if you ever read it, but uh, Hathaway, you know, listen, is he is he heavyweight? No, but he doesn't take a back seat. So uh, I fully expect that those two guys would have dropped the gloves right off the faceoff. But they were jousting a little bit, and the referee came over and threw them out of the game. They didn't do anything. They did absolutely nothing. 
and he threw them out of the game. So now, now the way the league is going, they got 10-minute misconducts for for what might happen. So I think his name was uh, Tim Peel, the, the referee that um, was overheard talking about uh, makeup call, which, by the way, has happened since hockey's been around, and any any hockey fan is aware of that. How many times have you been watching a game and your team has gotten, say, three power plays in a row, and you guys are just sitting there waiting for the makeup call, because you know the next penalty is going against your team. It's accepted. You just know it's If you've watched hockey for any length of time, you know it's coming. You know the makeup call is coming. It's been a part of hockey since the dawn of time. But now, like Darren says, the vocal minority on social media, this is why this shit happens. So this guy gets castrated and they take him off games. They don't suspend him or whatever it is because uh, from what I hear, he had actually wanted to retire after last season. They talked him back into coming back for one more year. And now they don't want to, I guess, suspend him or fire him. Uh, so they're or fire him. So they're just suspending him for the rest of the year, whatever. Uh, I think what Tim Peel needs to know is the real hockey fans know that he didn't do anything wrong. It's all for appearances. But now Johnston and Hathaway are on the faceoff and they're jousting. And yeah, were they going to fight? Probably. And this referee comes up and throws them out of the game. They hadn't dropped their gloves. They hadn't dropped their sticks. They hadn't fought, but now they get thrown out of the game. I I know, I know in the world today, words hurt. The whole thing, sticks and stones doesn't apply anymore because now everyone's worried about hurting everyone's feelings. But I'm going to say that Ross Johnston and Garnet Hathaway are big boys. And if they were saying mean things to each other, they can handle it. So it wasn't the ref's job to go and yell at them and scold them for saying mean things to each other. But then he throws them out of the game. Are you fucking kidding me? These are two grown men, consenting adults, potentially ready to fight. And you're going to predict that they're going to fight and you're going to throw them out. You got to be fucking kidding me. This is the direction that the game is going. Give me a fucking break. Now you're going to predict things that are going to happen and give people penalties for what might happen. I know the world now wants to police everything and a certain percentage of society is completely okay with letting the government police everything. I don't know where this logic came from. Like, why would, why would you want the government to police every aspect of your life? But there are some people willing to let that happen. I see it on social media every day, but hockey is a sport. It shouldn't real life rules shouldn't apply in sports in terms of did you guys just say mean things to each other? Well, now you're out of the game or you guys might fight. I can't have that. I'm kicking you out of the game. There's a reason why you get a five minute penalty for fighting because it's a penalty. So let the fucking guys fight and then give them their five minute penalty for fighting and give them 10 minutes. So, you know, there's not a lot of time. There's not. 15 minutes left in the game. There's not 10 minutes left in the game. Whatever you want to give them, then kick them out. Let them fight and then kick them out. But now this guy's going to stop them because they might fight. How many times have you seen it 
where two guys are lined up for a faceoff and they're jousting, and you know they're going to go, and then something happens and they don't. It it happened years ago. It happens today. It's happened all the time. How many times do guys do the fake, fake glove drop right off the faceoff? So any number of scenarios could have happened in that moment, but it didn't matter because this referee thought he's going to take charge. So now he's the thought police too. So that was bullshit. Ross Johnson's a big boy. Garnet Hathaway's an adult. They're ready to fight. Let them go and then dish out the penalties. Don't fucking throw these guys out of the game because they might fight. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. One of the things this year that I have uh, I have been very critical of this team is there to me stuff has happened and they're not handling their business. And by that I mean stuff is they are not holding people accountable for shit that's happened on the ice. And there's three in particular, actually four, that have chapped my ass and will continue to do so until it's corrected. So last year, Matheson, Mike Matheson was with Florida and fucked with Boychuk. Boychuk's now retired. This year, the same guy now with Pittsburgh, Matheson, fucked with Barzell. Nobody did anything to him either time. Now, I know, I think Martin tried to fight him. And of course, Matheson declined. I would like to see, and and I'm not being critical of Matt Martin. You know I love Matt Martin. Would I have liked to see Matt Martin just drop his gloves and pummel him, even if it meant giving Pittsburgh a power play? Of course. Would I have liked to see anybody on the team do that? Not just Matt Martin. Of course. I get it. It's a different game. It's a different time. Everyone has to be cognizant of the power plays now, and uh, you can't just go and goon it up and all this other stuff, but... To me, what happens is it sends a message. Basically put out fucking Johnny Boychuk. You're roughing up the team's best player in Barzal. That can't happen. So, yeah, you go in. Maybe you take a five-minute penalty. But it sends a message to the rest of the league. Okay? There was a game against Boston where Marshawn, that asshole Marshawn, roughed up Oliver Wallstrom tackled him, whatever. I don't know if he reached to drop the gloves, but he was roughing him up a little bit. Nobody did anything. Komarov, I believe, went up to him and had a conversation, but they have history. But Komarov's not going to drop the gloves. Okay. Uh, another game this year, uh, Severson. I, is it Damon Severson? I don't know which Severson is on New Jersey. There's a bunch of them that played pro. Damon Severson, maybe. Uh, just fucked with, with Bellows. I almost called him Brian Bellows. Um, just roughed him up in front of the net. And no, nobody has held any of these guys accountable. Now, I know what you're thinking. Joe, you're a dinosaur. Those days are over. There's no more Trevor Gillies. There's no more Mick Vakoda. There's no more Gary Howitt. Those guys, there's a reason why. They're not playing anymore. Yeah, it's because they're all over 40, I guess. Um, that doesn't mean shit to me. You know, to me, hockey more than any other sport is a brotherhood. And if you see one of your players getting abused, which Boychuk and Barzal and Wallstrom and Bellows, 
were, they were being abused out there. Somebody has to do something. And it doesn't have to be the enforcer. It doesn't have to be the fighter. Now, I don't believe Ross Johnston played in any of the, he didn't play in any of these games. I wanted him to dress versus Pittsburgh. Hey, I don't think he dressed at all versus Pittsburgh this year, maybe in the beginning of the year. Um, I'm sure Martin did. He takes a regular shift. By the way, what a season Matt Martin's having. I mean, unbelievable season. All the people that whined about, how could you pay Matt Martin a million and a half a year? Oh my God, why did you sign this guy for four years? He just had a strong playoff. Well, he's having a pretty fucking good year now, isn't he? So shut the fuck up, because if you watch this guy on a nightly basis, you know he's having a great fucking year. So stop your crying. I know you'd like to have some European in there, but fucking Matt Martin's balls out this year. Absolute lights out this year. But getting back to what I was saying, these guys need these guys need to be held accountable. The reason why Marchand runs around like a fucking asshole and he has his whole career is because nobody has grabbed him and beat the shit out of him. It's that simple. He fucking licked Komarov. I mean, this guy is a total dickhead. And he grabs Oliver Wallstrom, arguably the team's second most exciting player, a potential Calder Trophy candidate, and one of the cornerstones of the future of this team, and nobody just goes up to him and ragdolls him. And it's 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 Brad Marchand. It's not Stan Jonathan or Terry O'Reilly. Just grab this guy, and even if you fucking grab him and toss him to the ice or whatever, or just whatever, you have to make the effort. You got to hold these guys accountable. My concern is long term. Everybody that's watched hockey the last few years knows that when the playoffs come around, it gets a little more physical. And if you don't think that teams know that you can rough up Barzal, you can rough up Wallstrom, you can rough up anybody, and you might not have to pay for it, you're wrong. That's why these teams have scouts. They watch these games. They see it. If the playoffs come and Barzal gets cheap-shotted, or Wallstrom gets cheap-shotted, or any of these guys are taking cheap hits, I'm telling you it's because teams know that players on other teams have not been held accountable this year. And there's still time to rectify that. Okay, I'm sure they play Boston again. I'm sure they play Jersey again. They don't play Pittsburgh anymore. The next time potentially would be playoffs. Um, But there's still time to rectify this. But, uh, you know, like I said, if you don't think that other teams are aware of that, then you're wrong. And I know, I know people, the New Age fans don't give a shit. They just want the power plays. They think let the referees handle it. Let Toronto handle it. Let Brendan Shanahan handle it. Let George Paros handle it. It's this generation of people that, that don't want to get their hands dirty and can't understand why people would want to. But, like I said... Come the playoffs, if the Islanders, if guys like Barzal and Wallstrom have targets on their back, I promise you it's because teams know that up until now, guys are not being held accountable when they play the Islanders, when they play like assholes. So just something to keep in mind. Uh, finally, I just want to give you a, just an update on the the state of the show. Um so as you know, like I said, I, I wanted to put this out uh in between uh Gilly's episodes. Uh, waiting on Trevor, like I said, dude's busy and uh, completely understand it. The guy, like I said, he just he's a grinder. He's a grinder in life, and uh, he's always moving. He's always working, and I promise you, 
episode five will be out soon. Uh, I just wanted to bring this episode to you just, uh, you know, I guess out of sight, out of mind. And hopefully I brought up some points that you agree with. If you don't agree or if you agree, let me know. Um, I have an interview right now that I've done with the former Islander that is uh, in waiting. And I will uh, publish that episode once I'm done with the Trevor's episodes. Um, I have an, I have another player who I um, mentioned earlier who I'm, I'm starting to do the research on and uh, hopefully I'll hook up with him either uh, later this week or next week. And uh, then that'll be another one I'll have. And Wednesday I am supposed to interview uh, another player who is someone that I have been dying to interview for a very long time. And um, when I started the show, I set a goal for myself and um, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. Um, it's, he's part of something and I wanted to, there's several, let me, let me put it to you this way. There is a group of players that would be part of, uh, there's a group of players that would be under one umbrella. And I've already been able to tick off a few of those players, not tick off, like make them mad, like check mark, check them off. And to me, if I'm not able to interview the entire group, there are certain players from the group that I must interview. This guy is one of them. And if the interview happens, because again, I've learned my lesson. This is going to, I'm really excited to do this. So I've been a fan of this guy for a long time. He's retired now. He's been retired for a while. Um, if this happens, I'm going to be pretty pumped. So potentially the show's in, in good shape. Uh, so by the, I'm hoping next week I'll be able to release Trevor Gillies part five. And maybe by the end of next week, I might have three more interviews in the can ready to go. And another thing that I started a long time ago is the all time Islanders top 10. Um, I've done the uh, top tens by position. And uh, the only thing left was to do the actual all time top 10. And I have made my top 10 list. So at a certain point, I will do an episode breaking down the top 10 all-time Islander enforcers in my eyes. You might feel differently. Uh, I would say then uh, let me know. I don't, I, you may disagree with the ranking. Uh, I don't know if you can really disagree with the players, but you never know. But uh, that's also something that could be on the horizon. I probably, uh, if I'm able to get another episode out with Trevor and I'm able to put a couple episodes in the bank, uh, that's something I could take my time in recording and, and hopefully uh, make it a pretty special episode. So uh, right now I'd say the show is in pretty good shape and um, I'm, ha I'm still having fun doing it. So you'll be stuck with me for uh, at least a little while longer. Uh, there's no end on the horizon. And, um, you know, um, that's about it, I think. So I would say thank you for tuning in. And I'm hopeful that next week I will have Trevor Gillies part five. And uh, my fingers are crossed. Please cross your fingers. And um, that's it. Everybody, you people, have a great week and stay safe. <laughs>